Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. May 9th, 2019, and Mike, it has been a week with lots of buzz in the horse racing world. Generally, we talk about the races a little before, a little after, but not quite like this. Um, If you were not paying attention, we had a disqualification in the Kentucky Derby. I'm going to read you a statement, Mike, and then you can kind of react. This is a statement that was just recently released earlier today by Gary and Mary West, the owners of Maximum Security, the horse who was the unofficial winner and then was disqualified in the Kentucky Derby this past Saturday. Here's so he statement. crossed the line first, the West celebrated, and then he got disqualified. Today's their This is their statement. This is their statement. And now okay. they've, they've been, this is still today. This is after going on, on different um, outlets, television, radio, sure. all over the place and kind of pleading their case. But they say, we remain convinced that our horse maximum security was the best horse in the 145th Kentucky Derby. And that is decisive win on Saturday, May 4th is clearly and convincingly supported by the actual video of the race. Those same videos underscore why maximum security should never have been disqualified. Following this unprecedented decision by the Churchill Downs stewards, we immediately sought to understand why our horse was taken down by reviewing video footage with the stewards. Our request was declined. On the Monday morning following the race, we filed a a formal protest, objection, and appeal letter with the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, seeking opportunity to be heard forthwith by the full commission. The request was summarily denied only hours later that same day. In denying our request, the Council for Kentucky Horse Racing Commission reminded us that it was a privilege to participate in horse racing in Kentucky. We agree. However, that privilege comes with an obligation for fair, full, and transparent treatment by the commission of its licensees. They did not. That did not occur here. Just to finish up, faced with commission's denial of any recourse, we are left to evaluate our legal options, which we are now doing. We believe that with the just and proper hearing of our case, maximum security will be restored as the rightful winner of this year's Kentucky Derby. We will be making additional public statements in the near future, advising our uh, advising of our course of action. Thank you. So what do you think they're trying to accomplish here? I mean, obviously, they're not going to get the win money. Well, and, and, that's, and in the history books, I mean, is that what they're kind of hoping for? They're hoping that the legal process jumps in and overturns this? I mean, I don't really understand what the end game is outside of maybe letting the issue live on for a bit longer and have it not be forgotten about. Yeah, I understand um, the frustration, and I understand it's very frustrating, too, when you don't really get the opportunity to even just kind of hear out or have a conversation back and forth. but. This is this is really the way it is. There are there aren't like appeals. They don't they don't the, the stewards don't do these things that they were asking for on a regular basis. You know this. Um, and and I think we have our first guest on the well, line. Well, you know what's who, kind of funny about that? Before we bring Todd in, is that this kind of reminds me of you know towards the end of the NFL season when the Rams no, and the it does, had that it does. call. That does it remind you of that? Like how Peyton was lobbying for a while and they were frustrated and missed call and let's the city appeal of New Orleans this decision. Was really they were yeah, appealing. They even a, the, the Saints ball club actually appealed the game. They're like, you know, we should be found 
the winner. We should be declared the winner. We should be going to the Super Bowl. Kind of reminds me of that. It's kind of funny that in two championship scenarios that this comes up. But yeah, let's get the Todd Father's take on it himself. None other than Todd Shrupp from TVG. Todd, good afternoon. How are you, buddy? Shrupp, Daddy. I'm doing great now that I'm talking to you guys. Um, I did want to kind of just add to your NFL comparison to sure. the, the Saints missed call and uh, the fallout from that. The one thing that didn't happen afterwards is Gail Benson, who owns the Saints, did not threaten to sell them afterwards. <laughs> and so yeah, I think that's an important, that's true. It's an important distinction. And, and look, I mean, it's, it's hard for me because obviously – when you're around the sport long enough, you know all the players and you're sympathetic to them. And anyone who has ever owned horses, you understand how hard it is to win races, let alone win the Kentucky Derby. I had a chance probably about seven years ago now to meet Gary West away from the racetrack. And he had actually asked me, Simon Bray and I, my colleague at TVT. And Gary West was so low-key, literally to that point, even though I had always followed his horses, he literally could have walked up at the racetrack face, and I would have said, who was that? Um, you just didn't see Gary West that often. So I jumped at the opportunity. Sam and I went to this dinner. And at this dinner, I got to know Gary West. And it was, By the way, it was at the West Steakhouse because he has development uh, just north of Del Mar, which has a steakhouse, a gas station, and it's actually one of the better restaurants in the area. Some people may not be aware of it. It's directly across from Legoland, across from the Five. But over the course of this dinner... I finally got to know Gary West. And what a lot of people don't realize about him is that the thrust of his philanthropic efforts is to improve the healthcare system in the United States. He has a think tank that he has put together in Washington, D.C., that invites people of all walks of life, all professional backgrounds, all political beliefs. It's completely um, nonpartisan. And all it is is to find ideas that it can improve the healthcare system. I walked away from that dinner blown away, and I want to tell more people about Gary West. So now we fast forward to what's happened here in the Kentucky Derby, and I've been willing to give Gary West the benefit of the doubt at the very beginning. I mean, if you want to look at it this way, and this is how I did look at it until things started to transpire after the Kentucky Derby and the interviews that he's done, we got about 7.7 billion people on this planet. When the Kentucky Derby started, about 1.2. The last guy from that generation died at 145 like two years ago. So you've got about 9 billion people on Earth. Only two can tell you what it's like to be disqualified in the Kentucky Derby, (laughs) and that's Gary and Mary West. So I'm very sympathetic to the idea that no one's been in their spot before. I'm even willing to give him the benefit of the doubt of the first interviews that he did afterwards and what he said on the NBC Today show. Unfortunately, he didn't stop there. And now it's gotten to the point where he's impugned the character of uh, the connections of War of Will, from the horse to the rider to everyone else, um, to now we've got a mystery photographer on the infield. I mean, it, it just does not stop. So I guess you have an example of how things can be handled in the case of the New Orleans Saints, which you brought up. You didn't hear the ownership saying, well, we're quitting the NFL now. But... Gary has gone out there, blamed just about everyone except what happened with his horse, and has even threatened to leave the industry. And so I've been very, very disappointed in a guy that I know to be thoughtful and very measured to be anything but since that time. And that's a, unfortunately, that part of the story is now overshadowing 
even be able to look at this objectively, whether or not it was a good disqualification or not in people's minds, he has just come out in a way that I think has really sullied his supporters and sullied his point of view. Yeah, and I don't know what the end game is. You know, what are they trying to accomplish? You know, is it yeah, but- to be declared victorious or is it to bring about change? Like, I don't know exactly what it is that they're hoping comes out of this situation. Well, and to but- piggyback on that, all the all the people out there who are kind of on the side of the the betters here, uh, you do realize that you ain't going to get your money back. You know, if they if they reach if overturn this decision, are you going to be more or less upset? As a better, <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's worth let's let's take a step back, guys, and just kind of go through it and 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 each share maybe you know support you know were you in favor of the disqualification or not? So let's start with the let's start with you, Todd. What did you see happen, and what did you think gave rise to the disqualification ultimately? And do you agree or disagree? Well, I certainly saw it sooner than NBC and, and anyone else was on that broadcast. I was amazed at how long yeah, it took them. Yeah. But <laughs> I will say, uh, yeah, I, I knew there was a problem immediately. And then when I watched the replays, I had to just kind of digest exactly what I was seeing. But it was pretty clear to me after watching probably five minutes of the Stewart's inquiry that we were headed into territory that we hadn't seen at the Kentucky Derby, although there had been a disqualification, it was a medication positive about 50 years ago. But it was clear to me they were taking the time to decide how far the horse should be disqualified, what position the horse should be placed, not whether or not he should be DQ'd. To me, it was absolutely the right call. And I'm, a, I'm in the camp, and this has been said before, so it's not new territory, but I, I believe in it 2,000%. If War of Will goes down, we're not having this debate. This is an easy DQ in everyone's mind. But why does a horse need to come down for that to happen? And that happens at every racetrack in America. You will see a horse and a rider show tremendous skill and avoid a collision with a horse that has come into their path. And somehow the stewards will, because there wasn't a, a severe stumbler, will, will leave that horse up. So what an it also goes to the problem with the sport is that what happened in the Kentucky Derby may not have been a disqualification in California, may not have been a disqualification yeah. in New York or in Florida and the rest of it. So, and, and that's that's a very very large problem. But and the funny thing about it, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Todd, but sure, if if there wasn't a jockey's objection, would would it have gone official with maximum security on top? Well, here here's to me another part that really bothers me. <laughs> is that so many people, be it casual fans or longtime fans, and even Gary West himself, and he should know better, and he does know better, has come out and said, well, if it was such a bad infraction, why didn't the stewards post the inquiry sign? You can surmise all you want about why these particular stewards acted the way they did, but I will tell you, in my experience at the racetrack, let me give an example, the now-defunct Hollywood Park, and maybe it's part of the reason why it's defunct, other than uh, times move on. We... When we were working at TVG and were on-site at Hollywood Park, we used the technical resources of the television department at Hollywood Park, which meant that whatever went through that television department, we were privy to. So constantly, several times a day, our producer would say, the stewards are looking at this race. What do you mean they're looking at this race? Well, they called down at the television department, and they want to take a look at a replay. 
And I would look out at the tote board, and I'd, I wouldn't see anything. And I'd say to the producer, but there's no inquiry. Well, they're still looking at it. That goes on at every racetrack in America. And unfortunately, with thoroughbred racing, we tend to be reactive, not proactive. That has been a problem that everyone knows about. And my view is this. If the stewards are going to call down and take a look at a replay to decide whether or not they want to have an inquiry, it is an inquiry. Like, just, just put yeah. up the inquiry. So as a fan, as a better, I know you're looking at it. You saw what I saw, even if it doesn't result in a disqualification. But unfortunately, too many stewards across the country will not put up that inquiry sign unless they think they have a true case to disqualify a horse. That may not have been the case at Church of Downs, but anyone who's out there who's been around the sport and is saying, well, the stewards didn't post the inquiry sign, so how bad was the infraction? That's a non-starter because it goes on all the time where stewards don't put up the inquiry sign. So I guess my long answer to what you're saying is it's immaterial whether or not there was an inquiry or the objection being made. I, I don't know. Maybe they eventually would have gotten around to it, but this whole idea that there should have been an inquiry before an objection, I think is just silly. Here with Todd Shrupp from TVG and uh, the real polarizing topic in this Kentucky Derby disqualification. And, you know, there are a lot of, of takes and it, what's what, what makes this debate interesting, Todd, is that there's so many people that I respect and I, that are very knowledgeable people that are on both sides of this debate. People in the industry, um, people who have been writers, trainers, jockeys all over seem to be really split um, on both sides of this. I I'm with you and what I like to see and what I'm hoping to see. And, and I wonder if because of this current climate, because of what has recently been happening at Santa Anita, because of the, the bad publicity, to be honest, at, at everything that has gone down with all of the recent horse, horse deaths, we did see over the weekend, because I had a lot of people saying, we don't see disqualifications like this. They never disqualify like this or at the start. They never do things like that. But I would like to point out that on Friday, they did make a disqualification at the start of the Kentucky Oaks for an incident where a horse went down. Now, we, we didn't really notice it as much because it wasn't a horse that finished in the top few, but... As you mentioned, if this is going to be new and if we're going to be going in the positive direction of safety, that's fine. But I think we all were upset with a few things you mentioned. The lack of consistency and really the bad job that I think presenting it, everyone, I think from the from the stewards overall to the way it was broadcast on television to nobody really knowing. How, I. How how could we do better to, to let the fans know? Like you mentioned, there were no the, the only the top two numbers were blinking. Nobody knew who was the objection, what was going on. It really was a, a crapshoot out there. Well, you bring up another salient point. There are so many points, and and again, this is a situation to borrow the cliche. Horse racing is caught with their pants down, but they know yeah. they know these deficiencies going back a long way. And let me give you just one example. What about the optics, Gino? What about the optics, Mike? When they go to our officials who are in the stewards booth, did it not look like they were in an electrical closet? I mean, <laughs> how do you have faith? Compare right? that to the NFL, I mean, right? When they show like the NFL yes. replay studio or, you know, some top level yes. sports on top big days and it, it's just no it's no comparison. And and so they're using outdated technology. You've got them quizzically looking at, you know, I don't even know if um, they're looking at television monitors that are in HD, but the optics of it are terrible. And other sports, as you pointed out, 
have a central authority where the officials can then go to the replay center in New Jersey, the replay center in New York, wherever it might be. But somehow horse racing still feels the need to have a set of stewards on track at the racetrack, taking a look in, with their outdated technology and trying to figure things out. And then they render a decision that either, either leaves you scratching your head or is not consistent with what they've done previously during the year. And so that is one area that I think has been out there for the longest time. And we talked about on the show, you should have regional officials. And, and as racing starts to get smaller and smaller, in other words, the number of racetracks within these regions are just a handful, you could easily do it. There no are excuses officials yeah. that would cover the West, the Midwest, and the East. Yeah, and, and, and to you know piggyback off of that, you'd mentioned a little bit earlier about having different rules in different jurisdictions, and I think that's part of the problem as well. My quick take on this whole situation is this. Per the rules, the stewards applied the rules correctly in disqualifying the horse that crossed the finish line first maximum security. The problem, though, is maybe within the rules themselves. Because you mentioned optics, Todd, and when I've spoken with really, really casual horse racing fans, like the ones that will watch and tune in for the Breeders' Cup, Kentucky Derby, the Triple Crown races, and that's about it. Their whole thing is, well, wait a second, break this down for me, Mike. I don't really, I'm not digesting what happened. I get that you can't keep the winner up, but it kind of sucks that you have the runner up who finished a length and a half out become a champion. And it doesn't really change the outcome for those who are infracted anyways. And when I hear those kind of comments, to me, I kind of think about, okay, let's just say the incident or maybe even two incidents, never happen, would it change the outcome of the race? Now, the answer is no. Either way, maximum security was winning. Then maybe the rules should state something along the lines of, if it doesn't change who wins or loses, you keep them as the winner. But there's heavy fines that could be levied, especially in a big race like the Kentucky Derby. Now, why, why do well, I make the distinction? Because you're not going to be able to to levy the same kind of fine in a, in a, you know, low level claiming race as, as you would in a multi-million dollar race. And I, I get it when people say, well, you have to apply the rules in a claiming race the same way as a Kentucky Derby. Sure. But the fines maybe could be different. Stakes are higher. There's 20 horses in the race. So I know I've kind of packed a lot in there, but those are some of my thoughts based on what, you know, when I talk to casual fans. Well, and look, you know, I think those are still some things that are brought up by people around the racetrack all the time. I personally don't like this. I, I think my colleague Simon Bray is fine with it, and maybe a few other colleagues on the TVG staff, but it's something that you pointed towards. It's something that Andy Beyer uh, wrote about following the Kentucky Derby. He felt it was an unjust call. He agreed that there was a foul by maximum security, to me, which is already a non-starter. If there's yeah. a foul, there's got to be a penalty. A but his view I think Baffert said similar also, you know. Like he, he yeah. disagreed, but he said it was a foul. So I, I can't, I, I just have a hard time with that. Yeah. Well, and what they want to do is what we see at racetracks a lot. Cause it's, it's happened at, it's happened at the Santa Anita meeting. What's well, happened at every racetrack. What they, what they say is the proper remedy is find the jockey, give him days, but don't take down the horse. And I've hated that since the beginning of time. If you can find a jockey and give them days, then why isn't that horse being disqualified? And why wouldn't any jockey, 
take any possible chance they could if they knew that's the only thing that they were facing. So I'm going to play devil's I disagree. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Todd. I'm sorry. Well, I just, I just, I disagree with that approach. The other thing I would say, I've heard this a lot too. You know, it's the Kentucky Derby. This is yeah. historic, and the, and and the rest of it. This is a, a little-known footnote in history. Before American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown, there were a series of obviously close calls with Bob Baffert. One of Bob Baffert's best chances to win the Triple Crown was real quiet in 1998. We all know the big move that um, Kent Sermo made out of the turn. It looked like real quiet was going to win. And then him and Victory Gallup battled each other to the wire and real quiet lost a photo. And it was excruciating otherwise this horse would have been a triple crown winner. What a lot of people did not see is when you watch the head on down the stretch, real quiet and victory gallop were bumping badly to the wire. And it was actually caused by real quiet late in the race. Now real quiet lost the photo. So there was no need to disqualify the horse. But I talked to David Hicks, who was the chief steward at Naira a few years after. And I said, if real quiet had won that photo, could you have disqualified a horse that had a chance to win a triple crown? Would you have denied him a triple crown? He's like, absolutely. We would have disqualified him. So this idea that the race needs or the moment needs to take precedent over the rules, this disqualification derby, I believe was a just disqualification. And I'm glad that the circumstances did not override what, what I think was very sound judgment. Hey, Todd, we are up against a commercial break. Can you uh, hang tight with us for a few more minutes? For sure. Absolutely. Fantastic. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back with more Todd Shrupp from TVG. We're talking Derby, DQ, and the aftermath that followed. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I think a topic people will be debating for a while. We were uh, discussing it all through the commercial break. And we're talking about how, you know, comparing... um, whether it's the Derby compared to other races, how's that different in big games where you may call fouls in certain situations and maybe not quite a foul that would win or determine a game. And um, Todd, we were, I'm not sure exactly where uh, we, were, we left off when we were talking through the break, but where did you uh, just kind of pick up from what we were saying? Well, I, I think another aspect of this, you know, because we were talking about the idea, and this happens at a lot of tracks, where a horse is left up and the steward choose to find the jockey and suspend the jockey. And part of the problem with what happened in the Kentucky Derby is the penalty is so severe that that's where people think it's really unfair. Maximum yeah. security goes from first to 17th. It's as if he was never in the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. Having said that, even if there were some protocols where you could just place him second and just disqualify him from the win, obviously the West are not going to be happy with that and anyone connected with the horse. It's still a historic disqualification. But what people are asking themselves are, with the way the rules are written, that the horse has to be placed behind the horse that they fouled, and in this case, all the way down to 17th, is that penalty a little too severe? I think those are constructive arguments to be made, and I think there's a lot that the industry has to change out of this. Yeah, And let's not forget something, guys. The, The really interesting thing about horse racing is this. You have one fluid event, and then afterwards you evaluate. Could you imagine like playing a baseball game, and then afterwards, you know, kind of, oh, yeah, kind of like boxing, inning. I guess. But boxing in the third kind of inning, scores, that was a strike. Yeah. We're going to take that one away, and in the probably the closest. Yeah, the probably the closest thing would be maybe boxing, right? And you know, after each round, you score it, and at the end, you kind of tally up your scores, and and then the outcome's kind of figured out. It's not a scoreboard, so to speak, that well, you know, everybody you know, gets I to guess see. track and field would probably be the closest because it, it. And that was the one that I was talking because this is in track and field, you're disqualified if you if you impede another, if you come over into another's lane, you're disqualified. Good point. And you're in your place last. You know, you're not placed one second. You're just disqualified from the race completely. And we've seen that in the Olympics on the biggest stages of all. We've seen, you know, huge, very famous Olympians go down, fall, trip, you know, and it's been – and we were lucky, Todd, as you mentioned. I think the one the one thing that, that you know, when I saw immediately after, a lot of people were asking, why didn't Mark Cassie and why didn't Tyler Gaffleone uh, lodge an objection? Because they seem to be the horse that – maybe it affected the most and, and caused the chain reaction and, and impacted a couple other horses, long range toddy, and maybe even a few more. And, and when you read Mark Cassie's comments after he said, which, you know, as a better, it, it kind of stung a little bit, but as a, as just a person, I was like, man, this, he's a pretty good guy. Cause he said, honestly, Tyler came back. He said, I almost went down and I said, don't worry about it. If we were, you know, fourth or third or second, we would have lodged an objection, but It'll only move us up a spot, not a lot, no money, and I don't want to do this to my good friend. I don't want to be the reason 
why my very good friend does not win the Kentucky Derby. And then just a day later, the same people that he stuck up for and was taking a lot of guff for why he didn't object, they throw him under the bus. You know, that was well, just it, what... It, 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 well, look, I, I think when you look at how the team of Warwell from the trainer to the owner and everyone involved with that horse have reacted. That's exactly what, and look, I think Jason Service did an amazing job. Yeah, he did. Uh, his immediate reaction with maximum security, but just speaking to Gary West and what he's done since that time, if Gary West had just said, I don't agree with this decision, but I am happy that no horses went down and all our horses are going to have a chance to beat each other later in the year, and I look forward to a rematch. Imagine the outpouring of, wow, that, that's phenomenal. Instead, now he's taken himself from a sympathetic character to almost wearing um, the hat of the villain, and that's beyond unfortunate. Because even the connection to War of World, the maximum security, I think everyone agrees maximum security ran an amazing race. But yeah. I also want to say something about Country House, because everyone's like, wow, He's not a deserving winner of the Kentucky he's Derby. He's hated, huh? Anything took place <laughs> right. He had, if he's not second, then he's not being put up. He had to beat 17 other horses in the race Thank you. in order to be in position to be put up this qualification. How many out there right now honestly had him beating any of the Baffert horses, just as an example? So give me a break with this whole thing about Country House is not a deserving winner the Kentucky Derby. He finished second just because no one had him anywhere in their handicapping doesn't mean you should say he's not a deserving Kentucky Derby winner. He beat all the horses that most everyone else was betting on out there, with the exception of one. Now, Todd, you'd mentioned that uh, maybe down the road there could be a rematch. I don't know what you guys think, but I think that any publicity is good oh, publicity. Awesome. I think that everything that happened was fantastic for horse racing. Because nobody got too hurt, bad that nobody cannot... went down, yep. right? Just, That's well, why. It's well, just yeah. a drama. It's a bad call. Like you mentioned, it's in every sport. We see it in basketball, football, baseball. It's a call that's a controversial call, but the key is everyone's safe. You know, unfortunately, we won't see them in the in the Preakness. But well, that's what I was going to say. That's where I was going with that is, unfortunately, horse racing can't capitalize because we don't right get away, to see a rematch. It would be 13 like, days later. But what I like is people know their names at least, Todd. I mean, I think there's just yep. these three horses alone, Maximum Security, War of Will, and Country House – their names are more familiar with people walking around than maybe even justify, you know, or, or horses who have won because they've been talked about so much over the last few days over and over that people are kind of waiting. Oh, when's this war of will going to run next? When's country? They kind of want to see it now, especially with the, the jabs that have gone back and forth. So I think this is great because we're still talking about it four days later as it's fresh, completely fresh. Well, well, and maximum security is going to come back in the Haskell later in the summer. So obviously people who um, know his name and he's out there everywhere are going to now look beyond the Triple Crown. I agree with Mike. Yeah, it'd be nice if we'd have it 13 days later. But what's wrong with those horses probably will meet each other in August or September. Maybe in the Travers we will ultimately see Country House and maximum security. But already we get a little bit of the puzzle coming back two weeks in Baltimore because, as Gino said, what if War of Will jumps up and wins that race? Sure. Is that not vindication for his connection, saying, hey, we were making a winning move until maximum security almost put us down? So we're getting a, uh, we're getting a little bit of the controversy back in the Preakness with some of those horses that were involved, and then we could get that big showdown with, obviously, Country House and maximum security later in the summer. So 
yeah, most people tune out horse racing, the, the general sporting public, after the Triple Crown. Now we've got a reason for them to come back. And just from a betting point of view, it's nice to finally have a Preakness itself, which is a fantastic betting race. And I think this is going to be one of the better Preakness weekends over the last 20 years. So I like a wide-open three-year-old division, and the controversy just makes it all the more fascinating. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that, that you know, I, I'm very optimistic that we're not going to have a super heavy favorite like we have in the last few years going into the Preakness. And uh, we're definitely not going to have a triple crown winner, right? So, you know, uh, we, we're very likely headed to seeing three different winners. And I think that just means better betting opportunities for the wagerers out there. Todd, before we let you go, I have to share because I know the misery loves company. You and I always love telling each other some of our bad beats. So I actually had Country House basically on every one of my tickets everywhere. Um, I had him as I had him as my long shot play. So I had Country House, my top four, and I boxed these four in exact and trifectas and in superfectas. Then I also played with. I played tickets with these four on top of other horses in the third and the fourth spots. I had Country House. I had uh, Improbable. I had Game Winner. And I had um, uh, Tacitus. So I had first, third, fourth, and fifth. And the only spot I missed was was Code of Honor in the third spot. So if Code of Honor runs third, I hit the tries and the supers multiple times we're talking six figures because i have the 65 to one horse on top everywhere i i thought he was like a 25 to one shot you know so he was my long shot play when i see him up at 65 to one i'm throwing him on top of all sorts of tries but of course the guy who always plays win wagers doesn't even throw 20 bucks to win on him at 60 to one (laughs) so so i just got it in all shapes ways and for you know and i'm having people sending me messages like man you said country house was the long shot to bet i bet 10 bucks on him and made back this one i'm just sitting here kicking myself so so how about this Uh, one and gino Gino knows i never really throw out throw out my wagers uh, publicly i don't ever post them on twitter or anything like that but i'll I'll, i will mention this one futures wager $20 exacta box 13 14 and 24 now the 13 was maximum security the 14 was game winner and the 24 as you guys all know is the rest of the field and country house was one of the field so that was a $20 exacta box that went down the drain. Oh, so every, we all got it. <laughs> That's we, gross. We all but got the, it. Even, the, even when I was thinking for a minute, maybe the uh, it was going to help me getting put up. But nonetheless, we'll have one shrub. I think I think it just means that the day that, that I hit is going to have to be a day when you and I hit together and when we, uh, when we well, get a big score together, a big six-figure one. So we'll be waiting for that someday. I, I really appreciate you coming on with us. Mike and I, we, we love having you. you on. And uh, we got some great information from you. We, we it, What's great is, you know, we, we have to give both sides. We have to talk about what everyone says. But at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think the right call was made. And hopefully this will be a catalyst for either some consistency or some, some change for the better. Yeah, and you know what? I, I want to say that our industry is going to do that, but you've been around like, long enough. It's hard. Um, it's once, hard to trust once, and believe. Yeah. Well, exactly, that, that's a good but, closing, uh, p- closing point here, Todd, which is, and, and before you do go, we, uh, I want you to share with the listeners 
what your schedule is going to be like with TVG and the coverage for the Preakness and everything. But before we get to that, how, how will change happen? We've seen a lot. We've had a lot of discussion, just even Gino and I on the radio show talking about different things that have happened in 2019 alone, whether it be, you know, the events at Santa Anita and the unfortunate deaths or whether it be, you know, how do you, you know, like across the board, be able to make changes for these inquiries and stewards and, and how you, you know, how you make these rulings or even wagering menus and, and pick threes and scratches and pick fours and scratches. And uh, there's so many different things that you and I have talked about, Todd, as well. How is change going to happen? Is it going to take somebody like a Todd Shrupp, who everybody knows, perhaps, to really push it forward? And I'm not trying to lobby you, but yeah, I am. I am actually trying to lobby you. <laughs> who, 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 else could, who else could it be? I mean, really? Who's no, respected we, we, we really, and has everybody's ear? No, we essentially need a governing authority, like you said. Yeah. You need a yeah. central authority, and you need a figure um, like a David Stern or an Adam Silver to bring everyone together and say, this is how we're going to do it. And not yeah. everyone's going to like what we're going to do, but it's looking long-term. It's going to be for the better. So much of horse racing is predicated on, let's just get through the year. Let's just somehow increase in attendance over year over year, but they don't think long range. And there's some glaring holes that are going on. The only way that can change is when the industry decides, all right, we have a governing body and this is our commissioner. They tried it originally with the NTRA, but the reason that was a broke model is because the tracks paid dues in order to be part of the NTRA. So you can't tell someone who's funding your organization how to do things. So until the organization um, is totally, uh, you know, is autonomous from the industry itself and everyone is willing to abide by what they do, that's what you're going to find. You're going to find crises where the industry, part of it agrees with how to fix it and the other part wants to go their own way. So, yeah, it has to be a governing authority. It's got to be a strong figure at at the head of that authority. But how is that even going to come about? I mean, how yeah, what gives it, birth I, to that? Yeah, that's. I mean, that, I think we all agree that that needs to happen. Is it going to take somebody to put forth a proposal and have somebody of great influence really buy into it and push it forward? Or right, because right now it's we're going to keep talking about this, and ten years from now we're going to have you on the show, Todd, and we're going to be talking about the need for governing authority, centralized <laughs> authority, right? right? Yeah. And national yeah. headquarters for inquiry reviews, you know, so on and so forth. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it literally could take an act of Congress. And by the way, there's there's some things out there with um, you know the Horse Integrity Act and, and other issues that the industry wants to have a say in. But um, you know, it would be a lot easier if we had a unified voice, and and we don't. So, to be quite honest with you, just with the way the industry is made up, you have uh, organizations that are beholden to local governments. You have racing organizations that are beholden to stockholders and publicly traded. It's the makeup is not there for that to happen. It's so different from the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. Um, they have a a pretty uniform situation when it comes to owners and what these teams are valued at and how they get that value. So, to be honest with you, <laughs> from that point of view, I just don't ever see it happening for horse racing. But that would be the ideal solution for sure. Yeah, it's going to take something historic, kind of like the AFL and the NFL were big time rivals. And at one point in time, it took a leader, and his name was Al Davis, to 
bring both sides together and say, you know what, rather than being rivals and taking dollars out of each other's pockets, let's team up for the greater good. And it was met with very heavy, uh, heavy objection for a long time until the merger finally occurred. It actually took two Super Bowl cycles for the merger to finally occur. It's going to take something like that, I think, gents. Yeah, and maybe well, it's something I, like this. Hopefully, that'll that'll start stirring it. At Todd TVG on Twitter, Todd, where are we going to find you coming up in the next week or two? I'm going to be leaving Tuesday for Baltimore, Maryland. I actually get Wednesday off, so a chance to just recover from uh, just traveling to the other coast. But we will have reports on site from the Preakness at Pimlico uh, on Wednesday. And we'll be live on site. Uh, we're not restricted at all, so we're going to have full access to the facility for all the racing Whoa, action there Thursday, wow. Friday. Look, look at racing working station. together once in a while. Uh, yeah, what happened there? What's going on? Wow. What, what oh, wow, Todd. I Thank you for all your time. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you so much, Todd. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Great combo. Let's take commercial G, and we'll get back to Game Thrones. of Thrones, NBA, and MLB. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Very verbose, Mike Abadir, today. Uh, you're, you're quite you, – You. this is a topic that you're very interested in today, I can tell. And it, and we got a little Game of Thrones coming up as, uh, you know – I, I anything that I've posted 
about the the Derby DQ has immediately just gotten response after response after response after response from people on on both sides of it. So this is a topic that I think for a long time people will be debating is saying what side they were on uh, of this uh, of this DQ. But um, yeah, and I, I don't think you even need to you know have wagered on it to have a, or you know have lost money on the decision to have a, a big time opinion on it because no it's just one of those things where i think it's like i said earlier it's really hard for people to swallow we're going to name this team this anybody who finished second as the champion yeah and it's hard because it's hard to explain like when you, what is the better alternative right that's what's difficult is and no alternative will there, be satisfactory no to right? anyone right because like Todd made the great point too. And I've posted some some things like, man, Flavian Pratt got booed at Santa Anita on Sunday. He got booed. <laughs> what? I mean, are you kidding me? Like Pratt and Mott and Country House are getting hated. I can't wait to bet Country House next time because whatever price he is, it's going to be higher than he should be. Uh, uh, you're Just totally right about that. Of- just yep. because, if even if he's five to two, it's probably in a spot where he should be eight to five. Just because of this buzz and because of people saying, well, he was never going to win the race anyways, but he still did beat everyone else besides maximum security. And the one, because I'm, because I'm someone who watches replay so much like war of will is absolutely a horse that if that was in any random race and I saw that happen, I would play back next time. And I would probably play back long range toddy if it was a, a race that fit where he was maybe a little slightly less caliber but maybe not maybe even at a good price in in with a group that he fit and and so i have a tough time maybe war of will doesn't win right but maybe war of will and long range toddy continue to con- make their move just a bit they take shots on different sides and come at maximum security and so now he's trying to fend off three or four different horses all over maybe that softens him up a little bit and it's not country house even who wins but it's you know maybe a, one of the horses from behind who didn't have as much trouble or came out I, I don't know but i that's why I have, a, I have a tough time because you see so many times where a horse gets in some trouble and then they run dead last and then you know that that horse was not going to run dead last regardless sure you, you know and so that I, for me and i think a lot of the trip players are kind of in that way i notice a lot of people who are very into replay are kind of on the same side with me, and it's it, there's no right, no wrong. I mean, we've been discussing it. I think I think the, the the right decision was made, but it feels like a lot of the people who are really into the replay and the film kind of feel that way because I see so many times when one just little clip of a heel or come over on or just altering your momentum or anything can really change, you know, a horse's chance to win a race and something like oh, that no in doubt. Derby. You know, hey, by really- the way, did you see did you see Mark Cassie's uh, notes on uh, Maximum Security's yeah, ride with the path? Well, he, yeah, he had on the path in each at each frame, and it had him going from one to two to two and a half to three, and then it jumps to six to seven, back yep. to six, and then back to the rail. And when I kind of looked at it from that perspective, frame by frame, you really, if you visualize the race and think in in a twenty horse field, you don't even need to have watched the race. You just need to read that. You would, and I asked you. That would that have an impact? Absolutely. Oh my gosh! Happen. Absolutely. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And yeah. like I said from the beginning, the the stewards applied the rules correctly. Maximum security should have been disqualified. With that said, I would like to see a little bit more of an analysis 
and and the rules giving this. Tell stewards. me what's going on. Explain yeah, it to yeah. me. Just give me, me a, what's a going better on, But overall. also to give them the ability to be able to say, yes, a foul was committed, but it would not have changed the outcome of the winner. And, and, this and we're going to keep him up, but here is what we're going to do to make up for it. But the rules don't allow for that. Well, That's kind I, of a fantasy. You and know? I, even in just this particular case, and this will kind of be the last thing we, we, before we talk about on the derby before we move on. In this particular case, I've been the one that kind of preaching that, you know, I don't like that this is the derby, things are different. But I do think that this is the derby, things are different in the way that you have to make announcements and handle the media especially in a situation like this that is kind of unprecedented. We've never had something like this. You know how many random, not not even random, but people that cover horse racing one, two, three times a year were at the Kentucky Derby in it, waiting for a press conference, waiting to hear from the stewards after the race, waiting to hear what happened? That would have been the moment to give them a little bit more than what they did. They came out for 30 seconds, gave a, a slight statement, did not answer any questions and walked away. You're not going to be able to answer questions after the third race on a random Wednesday, but other jurisdictions do. Other places do. Uh, in, in other countries, the stewards talk and write about every, everything out. You know, so in this spot, it, it would have done them a lot of good to just let everybody know exactly what was happening and what had happened before. Because there were still... Things being talked about two, three, four days later that were conflicting. Yeah, the funny thing is, yeah, you know, by the way, I hate that when after like a really big decision, the refs in an NFL game or even in March Madness, I think there was a game where there was something really questionable then and they take off. I think they, especially in the big games like you're talking about, the big events, they should go to the presser afterwards. I'm just not so sure that many of these stewards are very good speakers. No, sure. And, and, and handle necessarily journalistic questions. Yeah. And that's, that, that's probably a, a lot of the reason why they didn't. So yeah, we, we, uh, we knew this was going to be a big topic that we were going to have to talk about today. Yeah. We don't have a whole lot. Left. So let's, let's talk Thrones. Let's, let's do some quick hitters and you can all kind of go through what was happening in the episode and you can kind of react really sad start. Right. We, well, we generally saw. speaking though, did you like the episode? Do you like this season? What are your thoughts? I'm entertained. I'm, I'm, I was expecting a little more is probably the best way to put it, but I'm not like, there's a lot of people that are upset or like extremely disappointed. I'm not, I'm in I'm that not, camp. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not extremely disappointed or extremely upset. I still, I'm still okay with it. I think it's one of those things where I, it's hard for me to make a decision because it's still an unfinished puzzle. So I, I'm going to have to wait to see how it all ends and look back before, and then I can make my real analysis. So if things don't end well, or if they do end too happy-go-lucky and not really in the tone of Thrones, then I might be a little upset. But so far, I've been okay with, with most of what happened. There have been some logistical things here and there that I didn't love. But, you know, we, we got this. It was sad at the beginning. We're saying goodbye to some of the people that we lost. And then it, it's party time. People are drinking. And th- that's when kind of the big we really see Danny realize that these people want John to be the king and that she's not going to get their love up in the north. Yeah. And Danny's character has kind of transformed into an insecure you know, just impulsive decision maker. Well, I kind of don't like what they've turned her into. Well, it, and it's a lot of it's not even really her fault, right? She's not Tyrion's been awful, and even various like a lot of the 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 advice they've given her 
has not worked out well. And the times where she's kind of gone on her own to go save John and do things that they've n- told her not to, it's worked out well when she brings the dragons and just goes off, goes rogue. So that I think that's what she's she's pondering in her head now. I have these advisors, and they don't seem to be advising me well. And whenever I seem to just do what I want to do, that works. And she's listened to them again now, and now she lost her most trusted advisor, um, her best friend. She's now lost Jorah. She's now lost Masande. And she looks like she's about ready to go full on Mad Queen. Yeah, I think that's kind of how it's setting up. And um, she's probably going to go Mad Queen on Varys as well because uh, he's obviously now betrayed her. Uh, he, his his comments alone and his thoughts uh, shared with Tyrion are treasonous. Uh, I'll just quickly rattle off some of the things that I didn't like. I know we're kind of up against well, it, but you know, I didn't like you know Bronn just showing up. Like, how does he not get, I mean, isn't there like security or something that would stop him from showing up with that crossbow? And if it was so easy to convince him, you know, why did he even put that scene in there? To me, it didn't really add a lot of drama. Uh, You'd mentioned the celebration. It was kind of like Podrick and threesomes and stuff. Yeah, come on. It just seemed like they were trying to throw in so much, you know, kind of like they went from this like tough funeral. Not enough people died, by the way. Nobody of really, really big time importance from a fan perspective that you're almost teary eyed over. I didn't like how Sansa couldn't keep a secret, even though she promised just minutes beforehand. Uh, You know, Arya's rejection was, uh, you know, the whole. whole, She pulled the Jamie. Just you know, what Jamie did to Brienne. <laughs> yeah, and Brienne and Jamie, it was almost like, why introduce that for two minutes to get us like emotionally involved in that just to cut it off right away anyways? Didn't make a lot of sense. And then the big one for me was, Danny's on a dragon. How does she not see a fleet of ships to avoid can see getting her. shot can down? Not, I don't get it. How can not see back to them? There, there are, it seems like there's a lot of things that's being squeezed in. And I'm like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm a little disappointed in just that i thought it would be better but i'm i'm still entertained i'm still into it i'm not completely negative i'm gonna need to see the full season to be able to give my full analysis so we'll keep talking about it and then after the end of this the the final episode we'll have another week where we kind of give our big final thoughts on on the series everything but um we didn't even really get to talk about baseball and and basketball but we'll hit on that next week because uh the Celtics are gone. I know that was one of your predictions. So I'm going yeah, yeah, to were next week. They, they didn't show up, man. <laughs> they didn't show up whatsoever. But, but mine could, Philly could be out tonight. So we'll find out soon. Yeah. We will see. And we'll also see uh, why seriously didn't kill Tyrion. And is Tyrion a Targaryen? Enjoy your sports weekend and Game of Thrones Sunday. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.